Mac Power Users, Episode 670, Workflows with Francesco Delicio. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. How are you, David? I am great, Stephen. I uh, am here today, ready to record some Mac Power users, be nerdy. I'm all, I'm all in, buddy. That's good. That's good. The dog's all situated. We had a, a dog situation before, but everything's good. <laughs> I put a bell on her because she almost murdered a bird in the backyard the other day. So we've, we're trying to, you know, prevent that. But now I have to remember to bring the bell off before mm-hmm. I record a podcast. It's, it's yeah. a whole, it's a whole process. And you it's can't do that with one of your fancy stream deck buttons. No, I, I can't. Not now, yet. Now that you mention it, a little servo, uh, an IR blaster, <laughs> maybe there's something there. I don't know. <laughs> Robo dog. <laughs> <laughs> Is it here? Pop. And then the bell falls off. And there she's you go. like, what? She's like, what just happened to me? <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, David, we are joined by a very special guest today, aren't we? Yes, we are. Welcome to the show, Francesco Delicio. Thank you very much, guys. Did I get that right? It's not the easiest. Delessio, but you eighty uh, percent right. I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's um, we 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 one of the reasons we got you on is because we love Italians and <laughs> you speak just like Federico. You sound, I mean, I, it's hard to distinguish the two of you. You sound so similar. Really? No, not at all. He's from. <laughs> he has a. He has a. He's an Italian accent. You know, oh, British yeah, accent. But I just was making fun. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Francesco is a is a YouTuber who specializes in productivity software, and uh, this guy is kind of epic. He just gets gets it done. It seems like every time I check in on your channel, there's three or four new tools that you're kicking the tires on, and I think it's a really great service for those of us out there interested in that stuff. And uh, we're looking forward to talking to you today about your journey and. AI, and a whole bunch of other stuff we've got on the list today. Uh, before we do, though, uh, we've got a few housekeeping items. Um, uh, more Power Users annual plans are on sale. Go to www.giverelay.com. Ends December 17th, gang. You don't have much time left, but you can get 20% off your membership. And I've heard from several of you that have signed up. I really appreciate it. And uh, this is a great time to sign up. Only time of the year we do this. That's right. Yep. Just for the holidays. And um, I have it on good authority that this sale has gone very well. So thank you all who have joined us. Yeah. Uh, Today, more power users. We're going to be talking about end of year tech projects. Uh, Steven and I have got a few things we're trying to wrap up before the end of the year. And we thought it'd be fun to share that with you. So uh, when you get that uh, more power users subscription, uh, you get the ad free version and you get that more power users bonus content every week. So we'd love to have you on board. So, Francesco, uh, let's talk a little bit about you and your YouTube channel. How did you get started in this game? Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a strange one. I was um, I was always interested in like software um, yeah. from a young age, but I remember in school I was sort of really weirdly interested in the registration software that the teachers were using. And um, I just got so like they would just do the register and I'd be watching the software work and weirdly was interested in, in, in how it operated. Um, and then that slowly sort of um, sort of directed to 
productivity applications. And then I sort of slowly began, you know, recommending some to my friends and other teachers and, and it just sort of spiraled from there. And, and I just kept updated with apps all the time. Um, and that's sort of how it started. So a little bit of a weird obsession with how software works and the sort of the best tools for the best people, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And there are so many of them, right? I mean, one of the things that I note from from your coverage is you're heavily into some of the online and web-based productivity software. And, you know, that is an area that I've never been super comfortable with. We're going to talk about that later in the show, but you've got a bunch of stuff for that. And it just seems like every week there are there is a new system or a new software plan to help people stay more productive. Mm. Oh yeah. There's uh it, it feels like the, the golden, but also dangerous era for productivity apps. Cause there's so many releasing, but there's so much opportunity to switch. So it's and my job is I'm trying to catalog them all whilst making sure that people stick with them and, and stay with them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to try and be, the sort of mattress guy, you know, the guy that once you find the right mattress, you stick with it for like 10 years or yeah, it's maybe not that long. Um, but sort of that sort of guy versus the guy that makes you swap um, them all the time, if that makes sense. Yeah. And definitely later when we get into it, I want to talk about PKM software and how that has turned into an explosion. That's like a whole separate thing, but you've covered a lot of those apps as well. Um, along the way, you became a software developer. Mm. Yeah, it's weird um, how like in the last sort of year and a half, we've built a team in the background and sort of made our own application. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was sort of a, 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 like it really helped me empathize with developers and creators who made these apps that I review because I never understood the processes behind it. And then working with two brilliant developers, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is uh, this is amazing. So it's really helped me to flesh out a bit more understanding of the market as well as, hmm. you know, being up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's interesting. It, you know, being in the space that you're covering, I'm sure gives you a new perspective uh, on some of that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, empathy as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You file a support request for something. It's like, oh, I know what this feels like. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to get to all that stuff uh, in this in this episode. Uh, but you you mentioned you you know you've had an interest in in these things for a long time. Uh, so let's talk about you know the tools that you're using uh, to to make all this happen. What does your Apple Gear stuff look like? Are you you're uh, uh, I know you're a Mac user, but what does that look like? What are you driving? Um, I use a MacBook Pro 16-inch, I think the 2021 version. Um, probably would get something like the uh, the Air, um, but I, I was and still am sort of doing a lot of editing side of stuff, so I need the computing power to do that. Um, so I have an iPhone 13 Pro alongside it that obviously I use for sort of on-the-go videos. Sometimes it's a backup camera, which does work quite well. Um, and I, I, at home, I have a studio display. Mm-hmm. But when I'm out, I just use a coffee shop um, as a sort of base. So um, I have the the MacBook. But I do do a lot of stuff on 
The Remarkable these days, The Remarkable 2, which I never thought I would do that much with it, but I actually do a considerable amount because I try and like get myself away from <laughs> these apps and productivity software all the time. Um, and that's a good base for that. So yeah, they're, right. they're, they're uh, let me interrupt there for a second. Yeah, I want to talk about this remarkable because this, this is a continuing theme in my life where everybody I know is using these remarkables. Um, <laughs> I was just talking to a nerdy friend recently, Mike Schmitz from the focus podcast. He said he went to some conference and like half of the people there were using remarkables throughout wow. it. And I, I honestly don't get it guys. I mean, I, I ordered one, I sent it back. Then the MPU listeners told me that I was dumb and I should have tried it differently. <laughs> so I, so I got a second one and then I sent that back too. And now I think I'm on a list over there where they like, you know, I'm verboten. <laughs> and then just, just this week I got the Kindle scribe. I thought I'd try that one, which is kind of like a remarkable. It's about the same size. It comes with a pen. You can write on it. And, and I, as an iPad user, I honestly just don't get it. I mean, how, mm-hmm. I I guess you said that one of the things you like about it is it doesn't have other apps on it. Is that is that the big selling point for you? Um, yeah, I think it's like what it. I like think people look at what the iPad does do as an attractive solution, but I sort of like what the Remarkable doesn't do that is the mm. attractive solution. Um, so, like one of the big things I do is like coffee shops. I try and do like sessions where I go without my phone, without my sort of, you know, maybe music in the background. And I try and like have a good old brainstorm about content, maybe about some goals I've got or whatever it is, but that headspace away from it, I really like it. And the other thing as well is that I get like in the evenings, I get like bouts of like, I don't know, like bouts of where I've got an idea and I want to sketch it up or I've got an idea for content and I'm like, I want to start writing them out, but I don't want my wife to get cross at me. <laughs> so I don't want to whip out a laptop or an iPad because from for her, when she's watching that, I've done that in the past when I've had something and she, it, there's definitely a switch when there's a screen involved, but when it's like that, they, she doesn't really notice it and I can put it away and put it back in sort of instance. And it's really nice because I can export that directly to my email. I know that I'm going to capture it for the morning and that idea is captured, which is really nice. I don't know whether that helps. <laughs> no, no, you know, I, I get it. I think there, there is something to like that minimal kind of like, this is just a digital version of a notepad. And, mm-hmm. and I get that, but it just, uh, I ha- and I have trust me I I have a lot of failings but one of them is not uh, distraction stuff on on devices I'm able to like open good notes on my iPad and not look at email and other stuff and so yeah. and I'm such a nerd I've set things up so when I go into a a, a focus mode nothing gets through so so it just it just doesn't really land with me and the other thing I have to admit that really just drives me nuts with these things is when you see the the email file to yourself they're just Mm. so pixelated and ugly you know and um with me writing in good notes i can they have a method in good notes where you can print large but it renders small if that makes sense yeah and um whereas on these devices you really if i try to write small it's it's undecipherable if i write big it's just 
it just doesn't see it just doesn't land with me that's all i mean i'm not yeah. judging this device it's just not for me and that was interesting this week i tried a different brand and kind of had the same experience but i think it's one of those things where like like you might not be that type of gadget person for this specific use case isn't it yeah exactly and and they clearly is a market for it because now they've got um uh, you know, the Remarkable, which I think was kind of one of the leaders with the space. Now Kindle is in the action. The, the nice thing about the Kindle is that it's also a Kindle, right? So you get 300 DPI, large format, um, and you can read your books in that large format if that's your thing. And then there's a whole series of also Android tablets that now have e-ink mm-hmm. screens in them. And I don't know if you've played with any of those, but then you can like run software on it. Like, like you can run the Android version of, you know, Obsidian or, mm. you know, Evernote or the Kindle app. And so you can buy these, these, these tablets that rather than having the LCD screens we're used to, it has an e-ink display, mm-hmm. yeah. which doesn't get you color, doesn't, you know, but it looks really great. You can do it out in the sun and, um, the battery life is bananas on it. So, you know, it's, there's a, there's kind of an argument for that too. I, I I am interested to see how this evolves and if there's ever one that, that lands with me, but so far uh, it has not been my thing. Yeah. Yeah. See how it goes. (laughs) Steven, have you ever been curious about that stuff or? Uh, Yeah, I have. Cause I, I like the Kindle for reading. I do basically all of any ring that's not in a real book is on a Kindle for all those reasons you just mentioned, right? The distraction free, the e-ink I think is a really nice experience, but on, in terms of capture, you know, I've carried a, a, a field notes notebook in my front left pocket for like a decade and my needs are met with that. Now it's, it's not something I can email myself and I'm not marking it PDFs in a physical notebook. But for me, I just don't see a lot of room in my life for a product like this. I think they're super interesting, and I have been tempted to order one or both of them to talk about and to review. But in terms of personal usage, I just, uh, yeah, I don't think I've got an opening right now. Yeah, I think it's as in sort of when it, like sometimes there's no opening, but it's weird because this last week I've been watching some of the World Cup games and I've actually been seeing some of the commentators who do the halftime using it as um, their main device to take notes. It's, it's really weird how it's starting to permeate into society as well. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely landing now. I mean, because you you see them outside our nerd circles at this point. Um, but uh, it's an interesting technology. I, I hope people continue to work on it. But to me, I feel like, uh, you know, it's just it's not really scratching an itch for me at this point. Yeah. So what about on the on the phone side? We talked about the Remarkable and the MacBook Pro, but what about the mobile device? Um, I just have a standard iPhone 13 Pro. Um, and to be honest, I don't use my phone as much as I do for any of the work stuff. I probably mm-hmm. use it for emails and that's it. But planning and any other sort of big stuff, mainly it's done on the laptop. Um, which is nice because I can sort of use my phone for leisure most of the time. Um, so that, yeah, that's the setup at the moment. I was talking recently to our friend, uh, Jason Snell, who is kind of in the same boat you are. Like he, he uses his phone basically never for work and even outside of work. I mean, he works at home. So like he's iPad or Mac and the phone is 
really far down on the list. And I just, I find that super interesting because for most people, the phone is the primary computer. And for some people, their only computer. And when, anytime I talk to somebody who, who kind of moves it down the list a little bit, I just, I find that really, really interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure why, but I think there's something where I like have that association when like, because I like, when I do work, I go into stupidly deep states of focus. Um, so when I'm doing that on the laptop, I get in that zone, but I'm never on that zone in the phone. So I just put it way down the list. Hmm. I'd also argue that because you do so much work with web-based services, that those usually kind of fall apart on the phone anyway. You know, they're not good at little screens in general, you know, as a category. And that, that some of the services that you talk about that that we'll probably cover later in the show, I'm not sure they they are all that they're all that great on the phone. No, no, yeah, that it it it's a lot. It's a downgraded experience compared to that for sure. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by SaneBox. Go to SaneBox.com slash MPU and get a $25 credit on any plan. SaneBox is the email tool that both Steven and I rely upon. It learns what email is important to you and filters out what isn't, saving you hours. It's like having your own digital email personal assistant. It's sorting your email for you while you sleep. You couldn't ask for more. SaneBox works with all kinds of email programs and services, so you don't have to get a special app just to get these features. You can get it in whatever app pleases you most. To start, it's graded email filtering. SaneBox looks at email coming into your inbox, and it looks at the subject line and the person it came from, and it knows how important you may treat those people based on your history. And then it sorts them for you. If it's important, it leaves them in the inbox. If it's not important, it puts it in the later folder. So when you wake up in the morning or when you do your email check, you just check the inbox first, and that gets you the most important stuff. Then later, you can look at the same later folder, and it has less important stuff that doesn't require as much of your attention. They also have features like the same black hole, which allows you to unsubscribe with one click. If you don't want to get emails from that person, you put it in the black hole, you never hear from them again. They also have snoozing, so you can defer it till the next day or the weekend or a month. It doesn't matter. You can set these snooze boxes up and just put an email there, get it off your plate until a more relevant time. It's a great way to manage email. Uh, one of my favorite features is Sane Reminders. For instance, I can blind copy an email to one week at samebox.com. And if I don't get a reply in a week, Samebox reminds me. I use this every day in my business. And it's more than just filtering. You can also have attachments for Dropbox and other cloud services get auto-filed for you. If you're using Hazel, this is a great combination. Have Samebox put the email attachment into a special folder and then have Hazel apply those rules and bam, you got some automation going. Uh, There's various pricing plans starting as low as about $4 a month. They got a 14-day free trial. And if you sign up through the Mac Power Users link, that's sanebox.com slash MPU, you get a $25 credit on any plan. That's the biggest credit they offer, I insisted, because the MPU listeners are big subscribers. The people that try it from Mac Power Users often sign up. You may too, because it's just so great. Uh, but like I said, Stephen and I use it. A lot of listeners are using it. Check it out today, sanebox.com slash MPU. Email is hard. Samebox makes it easier. So stop drowning your email. Once again, samebox.com slash MPU. 
So scrolling through your website and your YouTube channel, the amount of products that you try, uh, the amount of software and services, and uh, I mean, it's mind-boggling. I feel like anything out there sort of in the productivity market, you've put your eyes on, put your hands on. And I'd I'd love to know how you came about that idea that you were going to be somebody who cataloged all of these things and how you how you approach it. It's a weird sort of topic, obviously, productivity apps. I think when I started, there was only two or three others doing uh productivity app reviews on YouTube. And it was Dotto Tech, uh, Steve Dotto, and uh, I think Thomas Frank was just um starting to publish similar, not similar videos, but more. Uh, service-based ones um and i sort of sort of gap in the market but also um i was so keen on helping people to find the best one for them um and that was always the sort of goal it's like there are so many of these different apps out there and to be honest if you look at the top five of the different types of apps to-do list app calendar apps note takers the the top five tend to solve 80 percent of the situation but we're in a fairly lucky world or thriving um, software world where we can choose an app that maybe solves 90 to 100% of our needs in what we're trying to do. So now that that sort of explosion of apps and services is available, it gives me an opportunity to better match people to them. Um, so one of the main objectives is, is to cover new and emerging uh, productivity apps, but also to enhance the skills you have with existing ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and we just cover a lot of them at sort of the big spectrum. But to be honest, it's now coming to a point where we're going to have to sort of make this more of a publication in comparison to what it's been in the last sort of five years, which is just me, uh, you know, keeping fresh on this. So it's actually... A, a nice sort of evolution that we're making in the, in the next couple of weeks, at least, to being more the place you find productivity tools on. Uh, I mentioned that you said we there. Are you working with the team? Um, I do. I work with um, my my oh, one of my oldest friends. Steve is uh, our editor, um, and I've known him since I was like four years old. And, <laughs> That's cool. Uh, it is crazy. Yeah, he uh, he's 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 great, and. Um, We've been sort of working the last two years. He edits the videos and I keep him busy. <laughs> um, and we're only just sort of hiring a uh, a content manager more recently because I've just sort of been doing a lot of that in, in terms of fielding what goes out. But it is an amazing market, but also one that shifts every three months. Um, but it's sort of working out a working out what is a shift and what is a um and what isn't because if a shift comes along that's so dramatic that we need to adapt the way that we use tools um like for example so three or four years ago there was a no code um revolution which gave us access to more flexible tools like notion coda and many more and that was a shift that a lot of people took advantage of but sometimes there are like these micro shifts of like smaller adaptations to the apps that we know and and love. And it's working out whether to tell people whether these shifts are going to be important or whether they're not. So at the same time of managing apps and services and products 
and helping people choose them. I'm also, one of my jobs is also to help people try and understand the market and to try to know where it's going as well, because that can also be a game changer for their um, their productivity, uh, especially when they're in larger organizations or um, or they're managing freelance, et cetera. So, so two jobs in one. <laughs> Where do you see the most, like one of the shifts we've been talking about is the evolution of notes apps and the way they've changed, turned into PKM machines, research machines. They're, they really, notes have changed a lot, I feel like, in the last couple of years. And we're kind of in the midst of the shakeup that results from that. Where, what are some of the other big shifts that you've noticed or see on the horizon? Yeah, I think PKM tools are quite a, a big conversation. I think there's two other markets that are, having sort of small changes and it's um the the to-do list space is heading a lot more to daily planner space um just because the way that we traditionally view the classic to-do list is very linear like list based views sort of you add stuff you do it done sort of thing whereas now it's sort of heading towards okay let's hold your hand a little what do you need to do tomorrow how can we better smart suggest you uh, activities to do, how can we weave in your calendar, et cetera. So we're moving from to-do lists to daily planners. And in the calendar space, we're moving a lot more to sort of uh, coordinating our time uh, a bit better in terms of, okay, I've got five meetings here. Why can't I shift this, so, uh, shift these around so that I have one and a half hours of focus time and plan my meetings around that so that I get that stuff done before. So we're shifting from calendar apps to more, uh, I guess, time-centric um, focus apps. Um, so we're seeing smaller shifts in those spaces as we are with the PKM sport space. But I think the, I would say the biggest shift at right now with productivity apps is, is this move away from micromanaging them. Um, over the last sort of 15 years, we've been manually administrating our productivity and that's good and there's a lot of benefits to it but we're going to dr drastically have to drop this uh this process that we do uh and that's including planning your day uh that's including organizing what's on your calendar that's including small research based errands that you might do um these small things, administration stuff is going to dissipate and we're going to have apps that organize their layout based on how you feel and how, how much workload you've got on. Um, we're going to have uh, these apps that bring smart suggestions based on things that are incoming, but also things that are, um, are going to impact the rest of your week. Um, so it's going to be a real shift in what we actually think about productivity apps. Um, and that sort of manual administration is is going to go away. Um, and, and one of those, a good example is um, a lot of what we do now in apps like Notion and Coda is that we spend a lot of time, whilst it's very beneficial, we spend a lot of time um, with flexibility. We can build whatever we want in terms of apps. We can make whatever we want, but we're going to have to shift that thinking of, why do I have to build this? Why can't this be done for me by the app? And why can't it be optimized in the right way that I need it? So I think that's going to be, that's going to sort of 
not kill productivity apps, but change the way that we think, because we won't really necessarily call them productivity apps anymore. They will be maybe just work apps because we'll be doing work in them <laughs> and not necessarily organizing work. Um, so it's going to be an interesting shift. Uh, and that's what I see in a sort of five-year window. Yeah, I want to unpack that a little bit uh, to unwind first. So I do agree with you on calendars. I think people are starting to realize calendars are becoming a tool for much more than planning when you go to the dentist, you know, that the that you, you you can use calendar events to your own leverage and, you know, time blocking is really landing with a lot of people. So it is interesting to see these calendar tools emerging for as like a combination task manager or really life a time manager. You know, I talk about you know, tasks are infinite, but time is finite. Well, now we're managing the finite bit, which actually makes us more productive. But this second piece, this idea that the the apps are going to use some combination of intelligence or understanding of what's on your plate to help plan for you. Uh, that that's a that's a big step. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be gradual. But I've I've sort of dictated it in sort of three processes. I think think initially there'll be a sort of restructure in how we organize. So right now when we add a note into Evernote or we add a note into Notion, and what we typically do is we're adding a note, but we're, we're putting it in a notebook, we're putting in, we're putting tags on it, we're putting our own organization around it. I think that will be the first thing that starts to dissipate is that that will be done for us. And those structures and systems will just, that won't be something we do anymore. And then I think the second will be smart suggestions. It'll start to understand how we interact with the, the our sort of um, application we're using, say, to do is start to un- interact that we do these sort of tasks in the afternoon, we these sort of tasks in the morning. And it will combine that with, um, external information about maybe our health or maybe uh, our calendar or maybe other aspects. And then it will give us smart suggestions based on that. And then finally, uh, in the third part, is it's small errands will start to be done for you. So if you type in, you know, research uh, the best sort of shops and uh, places to buy uh, this, you would just type that in or maybe dictate that in. And the decision-making element of your day will be more important than the manualization of productivity. So you would be making decisions once you add tasks versus actually going and actually doing them. Um, So smaller stuff like research-based stuff for the beginning will start being done for you. So how is that going to be structured? Are they going to be local apps, web apps? I mean, what what is the path? I think what will, what will probably happen is the way that I see it is like the AI systems will be engines in the background. Like they'll just do all of the heavy lifting and much like a car, say Todoist or, you know, Evernote, they'll be the chassis to it. So they'll be the sort of front end, the organizer, the beauty of the application, the way it moves, the way it organizes itself. But largely everything will be done by the engine, whatever it be, whether it's Google or OpenAI or uh, Microsoft, whatever the the go-to engine will be. So 
let's back away from that for a minute. That that is very <laughs> interesting. You know, I, I I just think the whole idea of AI is something that a lot of people don't see coming, but the train is on the tracks, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that later today. But I I want I want to, we're going to do a segment on that for this show because that's sure. that's relevant. Yeah, I'm getting but, too deep. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good, it's good. But I also want to just talk about now you having covered all these apps. What are the tools you're using? You know, what what made the cut for Francesco as someone who has spent so much time with all these tools? How are you managing calendars, email, uh, notes, and those types of things? For me, I it's weird because it's like um, I'm the car salesman, um, and you it's asking sort of what does a car salesman drive? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I would say yeah, I I just use some of the more uh, the the more common ones. Um, but the ones that are sort of more higher end, because obviously I can, I have the opportunity to access them, which is great. Um, so I use Sansama for my tasks. Um, I use Cron Calendar for um, my calendar. Um, but Cron Calendar is being acquired by Notion. Um, right. So, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, I use Notion as my organization system at work. So that's for content and editorial um superhuman for emails and we use um twist as our communication tool for daily um communication because we tend to work asynchronously versus in real time because it just seems to work better for us at least um and then i use i use mem as my note-taking application and that's more as my sort of um I would say sort of my work note taker, um, which is I only use it quite lightly, but I have to do say I'm an investor in Mem now, <laughs> so uh, I just have to mention make sure I mention that. Um, but it doesn't change my recommendations for anyone, obviously. Yeah, we we don't want to be the people that put Francesco in jail, so <laughs> make sure you say that. Yeah, the uh, we I hear a lot about Cron. Um, a lot of people are writing me about it. As I understand it, it's a web-based calendar service. Um, what what does it do for you? I'm I'm quite basic with calendar, to be honest. I'm not somebody that really likes too advanced calendar. Like I've seen Vimcal, I'm playing with it. It's really cool. Um, maybe it will be the next calendar app if Cron goes down. But um, for, for me, Cron gives that beauty of Apple Calendar and a little bit more sort of beautified um, whilst giving me some functionality like share availability um, and, and keeping it sort of um, organized in, in multi-calendar. So it's very simple in its ways, um, but I don't think I need at least any more than that, to be honest. <laughs> what do you use your calendar for, Francesca? I mean, we we were mentioning earlier kind of evolution of calendars. What, what's in your calendar? What kind of appointments? To be honest, I, like I try and do everything asynchronously. So in a week, I have one meeting at most, to be honest. Um, a lot, I don't even use, I don't really use time blocking. Um, it's social events, to be honest, is <laughs> making sure I don't miss anything socially. Um, sure. So I connect with my wife's calendar. And like, I, I, I'm just looking at it now. It's more like just a dot to dot of social stuff, to be honest. Because I, because right. I, I, I protect my calendar at all costs, really. Um, don't know. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes sense. I mean that. I mean, there's a lot of ways to to manage them, and that's definitely one. Um, the uh, 
And and Cron is is a web view, correct? But they also have a local app, don't they? Yeah, I've I've got the Mac app, um, and it yeah. works well. Yeah, it's just working out whether it will have a sort of legs in the future in terms of whether it's its own app and and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where it goes. You're seeing from a lot of these calendar apps now where they do the process of you start adding your tasks to them and then the calendar builds some methodology for you to put the tasks on the calendar. It's a way to kind of force you into time blocking. And I, uh, well, I don't need a calendar to do that for me. I kind of have my own workflows to, to handle that. Um, I really like that people are starting to do that because any way we can drag folks into the idea of adding a time element to what's on their plate um, can really help. And uh, I'd love to see that. Is, is that a common theme you're seeing with a lot of the the calendar stuff showing up in your, uh, your box these days? Yeah. Like it, it seems like calendar apps are doing a better job at understanding that people need time to work versus being meetings all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so great to see. Cause it's like, we've, we've had this like, era of just like okay let's have tons of meetings and especially during the pandemic and it's like okay good let's actually um orientate stuff towards our own time and protecting it and there's there's some really interesting calendar apps that are doing stuff a bit differently there's um magical and ready which are trying to innovate the way that the teams are doing it in terms of um hooking up your notes with your calendar which is really uh, a lot better sort of centric a calendar centric focus um and then you've got reclaim which are, i i feel like they're doing one of the best jobs in the sort of um reorganizing your calendar based on things that happen across your day and i think like that's nice because if you want to protect time it should be protected and everyone has their own their own goals like in terms of like oh i need more time for one on ones i need more time for um for, for focus time so it's really great to see that sort of stuff. One thing I find annoying with a lot of these innovative services is they always are built on Google. <laughs> you know, have you know? Is that just me? Maybe I'm not paying <laughs> close enough attention, but it really yeah. requires you to it's kind of true. dive into the Google soup if you want to try out some of this stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think Daybridge is built away from uh, Google. That's one that is is fairly new and interesting. Uh, another app you mentioned was Twist, which is, this may be selling them short, but they're a Slack competitor, team communication channels, that sort of thing. How did you how did you land on that, and where do you see the differences between it and Slack and maybe something like Microsoft Teams? So th- I actually found it from, because they are the ones who do Todoist. Um, right. They're the creators of Todoist. And... I remember talking with Amir and before they, uh, the the CEO of uh, Todoist, and he was talking to me about what to do. Twist is going to be, and it just it sold me from there because it was like these are people that understand how communication works more effectively. So it's mainly built on threads over real time communication. So if you want to start really any sort of conversation you actually have to title a thread and give it a sort of um, an explanation because, and and that's works so much better because if you're trying to get something done that's tangible, then that's a great way to start on that. Um, So, you know, it could be like publish a certain video or it could be 
um, you know, uh, sort out the SOPs or something like that. But it's all started on that initial premise of a task or an item that needs to be a project that needs to be finished. Um, so when you do it like that, the conversation doesn't go everywhere like Slack does. Obviously, Slack has threads. It has different ways of doing stuff like huddles and things like that. And it can work for so many different people. But I love the way that they they start with threads first. It's It's such a game changer in communication. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a different view because I do feel like when I work on thread-based work in Slack, we really have to be intentional about starting that. Yes. In that way. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I, as you were talking, I was just scrolling through the Relay Slack, which has, I mean, just an ungodly number of channels. And I've realized that there's basically their channels that would be threads in, in Twist maybe, right? For like one-off projects or you know, just a, a specific thing. And I may be in like six channels with the same three people, but that's how we've divided it up because threads are kind of a kind of an add-on to Slack. I mean, they weren't there initially. And I agree with you, David, you have to be very intentional with them. Uh, I think Twist's approach on that is is really interesting and enough to make it really different, right? Because Slack and Teams and these other tools, while they, while they pitch an asynchronous future, uh, at least for me, Slack feels much more like AOL instant messenger sometimes of like it, even though it can be asynchronous, it feels like it wants to be synchronous all the time. And you want to answer somebody right away and you can set a reminder for yourself to come back later, but it's like kind of weird. And if you don't do that, maybe it just gets lost in the river of, of text. And, um, I haven't played with twist very much. I played with it right when it first came out, but haven't in a, in a while, but it sounds like it's, it's really working for y'all. Yeah. I think, it's it's I like I I think it's like one of these things where I think you have to change your theory on it on mm-hmm. the way that you communicate before you actually use it because then it will align to it. Because um, I've had a lot of people who've said like this isn't working for me, and they're still hard on synchronous, and it's that's the differentiation. But then the people that do async, they just like fly with it. You know, you've said this a few times, and I really wanted to point it out, the idea that it sounds like you have consciously chosen asynchronous communications, like that is an underlying principle of how you work. Hmm. And I like that. I like that that you've thought about that, and like your team understands that synchronous communications are the exception, not the rule. And um, I think that's something a lot of people should think about. I'm not saying it it works for everyone. I think if you're doing creative work a lot of times, synchronous communications are the way to go. Sit around a room and talk about it or on a Zoom call. But there's a lot of stuff that asynchronous is perfectly fine and much less of an intrusion. Yeah. It's taken a little bit of time to get used to, but we've been doing it for maybe, well, two years with a a small team. Um, And I've always done it beforehand as well. the, the benefit to it is like, say, me and my editor, Steve, we, what nice is we don't have any meetings, but every two weeks when we get together to do in-person filming, we can do like four hours of filming. Then we can play FIFA <laughs> mm-hmm. because that's what we like to do. And it's great for team building. And we haven't spent too long in meetings. We haven't overly communicated in that time so the quality of the communication there is a lot better so it's 
really nice for that side of stuff, for team building too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You also mentioned MIM, which is a uh, a, a note-taking application. Again, might be selling it short. Uh, and you did say you're an investor, so we have that out of the way. Uh, tell us about this, because this is not something that I've come across. Yeah, it's to be honest, it's is not really got a full picture of what it is yet in terms of like a proposition. Because when you go into it and you have a look at it, you're like, is this a team note-taking app? Is this a note-taking app? I don't really get it. It's weird. Um, but it's very similar to some of the note-taking applications out there where it's got a blend of PKM in personal knowledge management, like Obsidian, like Rome and all these, because it has the bi-directional links and linking between stuff. But it has a nice, like traditional note-taking experience like Evernote and Notion. And it sort of weaves those two together quite nicely. So the way that I use it is I take, um, I do like sort of some journals, but I also do weekly um, uh, business sort of overviews of how everything's going and things like that. And what's nice with that is I can just sort of keep, I can link everything up, but I can also um, keep my notes fairly simple. Um, So I have like templates on there. Um, I can uh, bring in people into that um, sort of, I can link people up as well. I can link events up. But as I said, it's not really got a good picture of what it is yet. So I still feel like it's got a long way to go for that side of stuff. Um, but they've in, they've added some really interesting AI stuff more recently that is quite promising. Um, so obviously, like a lot of the apps in the space, it's it'll be interesting to see where that takes them. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by our friends over at Text Expander. Get your team communicating faster so they can focus on what's most important. With Text Expander, your team's knowledge is always at their fingertips. You can get your whole team on the same page by getting information out of silos and into the hands of everyone that needs to use it. So you can share your team's knowledge across departments. This means your team will be sending unified messages to your customers and not spending time reinventing the wheel. So here's how it works. You first, you store it. You keep your company's most used emails, phrases, messaging, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. And then you share it. You give your whole team access to the content they need to use every day. Organize it by department and then expand it. Deploy the content you need with just a few keystrokes on any device across any apps you use. It's that easy. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. I could not do my work without it. Show listeners will get 20% off their first year by visiting textexpander.com slash MPU. There you can learn more and sign up. Once again, that URL for 20% off is textexpander.com slash MPU. All right, before the break, uh, Francesca, you were talking about MIM incorporating AI, and that seems to be kind of the flavor of the week. And we just got AI in craft. Um, we've got chat GPD, which is, uh, kind of set the internet on fire this week in terms of its ability to write and inability, frankly, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but you know, people suddenly it's starting to land on people's radar, artificial intelligence. And I feel like that's been a nice little theme today as you were talking about the future of productivity apps. 
Um, let's kind of dig into that for a minute. How does AI fit in the productivity space? Yeah, it's a really good question because, like, like you said, so many of these apps, like Craft Notion, uh, even Todoist, and and many more, are all adding this artificial intelligence. And and right now, the way that I view it is that there's sort of like two types of AI in the productivity space. There's generative AI, which is the most common one now, which is sort of plug and play. You can connect it, you can write, you can build, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and sort of the best people who are doing that right now, I think a coder who are, um, they've basically got generative AI there, but they've weaved it into their buttons so that you can build a database that has a button that, you know, pumps out some GPT-3 uh, goodness. Um, and the same with DALI too as well. So I feel like Coda are doing the most interesting element, but what it all is, is it, it feels like it's very baby AI in that extent, because I feel like the, like I mentioned before, those sort of three stages of productivity AI and the sort of death of manualization of productivity. I feel like the killer AI is going to be structural AI. And what I mean by that is, so at least for the moment, the generative AI in something like notional craft, it doesn't understand what's already inside your application or your experience. What it, what it does is it can pump out stuff and maybe correlate some of the stuff that's in your account, but it doesn't know what it is structurally. So I feel like structural AI will be when the actual application understands the pillars of how you've built it and the objects that are inside it. Because once it understands that, it can make better and more informed decisions, whether that's making smart suggestions or whether that's doing smaller errands for you. But until that point, it feels very much like um, sort of fit and forget sort of technology at the moment, uh, the sort of plug and play. And I feel like the thing that's going to not kill it off, but make it, I guess, something that people will be like, okay, do I really need this? Um, I feel like we're just sort of playing with it all now is when we actually have to pay for it. Uh, when there becomes a feature like, an AI feature where, like in Notion, in Craft, we have a limitation or there comes a pricing plan. I think that's when we really realize whether it's going to be useful to our daily sort of routine. So it's good. Generative AI is a great step forward. But when it comes to the, the management of your productivity app, this is all just fun and games, I think, <laughs> until we get something that's really going to make sense of what's in your existing with what all the data and knowledge that you've already got then that's when it's going to get better yeah it's like the science fiction thing of you wake up and your digital assistant says oh i answered all of your you know non-essential email for you there's three that you should take a look at and uh, i've figured out that this afternoon you should spend you know two hours on production and an hour in the garden, you know, that kind of thing, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's also when it's going to be lethal as well, because yeah. it, the, the amount, so um, I know people that in the last three weeks since this generative AI technologies you've been mentioned 
have jumped entire applications because of this feature. Yeah. And I feel like even as we add to this now, these different AI models and things like that, we might even get more people jump applications because of it. And it's going to be a lot easier to do it because the, the, the data transfer can be better, but it's also a bit, maybe a bit too lethal. <laughs> yeah, I, I would recommend against that. If, if, you, if you're excited about the new sexy AI in some app, just sit tight for a while. Yeah, I I don't think it's nearly as sexy as you think it is, and <laughs> and also uh, yeah. you know this is really evolving. In fact, um, generative AI. Let's just step back in that for a minute. Um, they so like craft. You can go and craft and have it translate something for you, or um, do some text generation. I actually think the more interesting one of the last week is this Chat GPT. Uh, GPT uh, re- release that's come out, which has a lot of friends of mine excited that they've been playing with it and they've been very impressed with its ability. And I, I think it's much better than anything we've we've had in a while. But uh, you know, it, as Stephen discovered this week, it's still got got a few warts. Yeah, I mean, none of these things are going to write your PhD thesis yet. I mean, so I had I had it create I think five or six like uh, Apple press releases for me. And I kind of made them increasingly silly. At the end, it wrote a haiku about the HomePod, which was just perfect. But in terms of productivity, like, I mean, I I tend to fall in the camp too of like, yeah, this is like a neat thing. Obviously the technology behind it is incredible, but when the rubber hits the road, like I'm not sure they've, it's proven itself yet. I mean, I remember uh, while back maybe not like a couple weeks ago maybe Todoist had a a big tweet thread about hey we are um adding ai task creation and so you give it like okay i want to you know run a marathon and it will suggest tasks like well buy running shoes you know uh download a you know couch to 5k app or you know whatever it is and i think all that's interesting but i don't know if it's something that is yeah, it's going to be like a massive game changer in the way that we work, uh, at least in terms of productivity. I think in other areas, it's there's definitely some some more interesting outcomes and, and I think some real concerns about it, too. Yeah, uh, th- there's a great post by Zohar Atkins on Substack uh, called What is Called Thinking? Uh, and he's given a lot of thought to AI and I don't know his background, but he seems to understand it better than I. And uh, there's a. Uh, there's discussion in there about the Chinese room experiment where like, if you put somebody in a room and you taught them how to interpret Chinese, but not speak it, uh, they could using a set of rules respond to you in Chinese, but have no idea what they're saying and kind of making that's kind of what's happening here with the computer and uh, humans interaction is still required. If you're worried that you're going to get, lose your job to AI I think you're okay. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. know. I mean, uh, but you know, it is, I think what we need to do is look at this as how can this assist us to be better at what we do? Um, like Steven, I don't think this is going to be writing blog posts for me any day soon. <laughs> um, but, but they, I do think that this is promising and that it can be helpful. And, um, and there, I think there is something to this. I, I think about my old job as a transactional attorney and like, having an AI generate like the first draft of a contract would be great, but I would never sign what the AI made. I would have a lawyer go through it and 
figure out, you know, where the AI went off the rails. And I think that's true for a lot of professions. So, but, but it is interesting. And now anybody can do it. If you go and sign up for this, uh, this chat GPT and you can try it out and see, ask it questions and do what not with it. But I, I don't know if we're going to, uh, if we're all going to be on the street anytime soon. I've seen some of the, the, the stuff and obviously followed it, but it's not, it's not something that like, like I'm, I'm more ready for like Google and things like that with that side of stuff. Like it's, it seems like scary that it can summarize better stuff than the way that Google does. But none of this worries me for the productivity space right now, because it's so, it's so small. Um, I don't know whether you know the company catalog. I'm not familiar with it. Uh, it's like a project management application. Oh, wait, those are the ones that did the the summer, uh, the instant find of Apple keynotes, right? You can go through and search the Apple keynotes, and it jumps you straight to the video. Um, maybe that's a different one. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. um, these ones with a Q, cat, catalog with a Q. Okay. Um, they they had a release today that was pretty cool in terms of, um, so. They folk, they shifted the the AI generative AI focus between. So when you were creating your area or workspace, you prompt it based on what the company is. So for example, you put in real estate company, and it will start using the generative AI to pick out all of the objects and elements that you would need to build that 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 workspace. And it will build a workspace based on what it would what it would recommend for that company, and organize it for you, so you don't have to do any of the structural effort. So that's that again is probably the most impressive structural AI that I've seen out there, but it's still so early days. <laughs> well, I do think that AI is the probably the next big thing. I mean, I think this is, I think it's probably more of a thing than the metaverse. You know, um, you know, this, that'll probably come back to haunt me, but the, uh, (laughs) I, 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 it just, it feels like it's so fundamental to the way the internet can work and our, and our computers could work that AI can really change not only the way our day is planned, but the way we do our work. And, um, I think 10 years from now, this is going to be something that's well established in our daily lives hopefully for the better. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, it's like, uh, you know, when I was a kid, we had movies like, um, you know, Terminator where we're like, yeah, the, the computers are going to become self-aware and kill us all. But now we just realize they just want to take our jobs, you know, but the, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the, I just think that this is a fascinating space and, uh, I'm very curious to see how it affects all of us as it evolves. Francesco, do you see concerns with it where we are now? That's what I was just going to mention. <laughs> um, there's one thing that's been on my mind since it's all sort of been coming out is that how how will the AI react when it begins to like, because say like now we went, right, there's going to be an AI system built inside of Evernote or Notion Craft. And it's not just spouting out stuff, it's absorbing stuff and then spouting out stuff. So it's absorbing all of your notes and contexts and spouting it out and making a more refined uh, export or, or sort of output. And my concern is 
will that information that is used to churn out whatever comes out, will that information be used to train the AI further? Because if it is, then that becomes more terrifying in the productivity space than probably, well, actually social media space as well. Those two areas become the most terrifying because productivity, you add a lot of information to your systems, whether that's in team or personal. And the same with social media, you post and you you share and you communicate. So that's what scares me most is that whether the, the AI is actually going to be training itself based on that, if we give access. Well, and it's already happening with social media. There are products out there in law enforcement used to identify people who they believe have been radicalized uh, using AI to analyze social media posting. I mean, this stuff is is already in the wild. And like you read articles about the questions like what happens when the AI, you know, reads too many humans and the AI brings human bias into its own program because it's been fed human bias data. Yeah. 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 There's been a lot of examples of that. I mean, uh, Microsoft meta and others have had sort of similar things and the, the AI becomes super racist really quickly, right? Cause it, it sucks all this stuff in and uh yeah i mean that that's a definitely a concern i think there's concerns too about about jobs and i mean all sorts of things i think that's more currently as we're recording this in december of 2022 currently more like the visual medium side but this is a new type of thing and i'm sure that the the things that we're wrestling with and talking about sound really familiar if you lived through like the personal computer revolution maybe but it's a new set of tools and, you know, tools can bring good and bad. I think we just have to figure out where those are. Yeah. And I'm absolutely a fan of the idea of, of harnessing this stuff to make uh, getting our most important work done easier, which, you know, which is something all humans need right now. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Memberful. Go to memberful.com slash MPU to get best-in-class membership software for independent creators, publishers, educators, podcasters, and more. Get started now with no credit card required at memberful.com slash MPU. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web, including RelayFM and myself. With Memberful, you can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. You might have heard us talking about the Relay FM membership program, but what you may not know is that Memberful is the platform used for that program. The same is true for the Max Barkey Labs, and they make it super easy to generate that extra revenue stream and deliver bonus content to your members. Last year, I decided to give up half my income, and I was trying to figure out a way to do it without losing my house. And the Max Barkey Labs was the perfect opportunity for me gave me the opportunity to share more, but also get a little bit of additional support from my members. And Memberful came to the rescue. I had several different things I wanted to implement. Some of the things I wanted they didn't have yet, but they added it. And Memberful made it possible for me to achieve financial independence. With Memberful, I can give my members extra bonus content every day and easily manage it. I don't have to worry about setting up credit card processing or content systems. They do all the work for me. I just have to make great stuff for my supporters. 
If you've got something you want to share with people, you need to check out Memberful. And maybe you're already producing content and relying on advertising or other means of income. Memberful makes it easy to diversify that income with everything you need to run a membership program, including custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more, while leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. And you can now send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. You can even publish your paid newsletter content to a Memberful-hosted members-only website, and there's no additional fee when signing up for Memberful's pro or premium plans. Plus, you'll save money compared to the other popular hosted newsletter platforms. So if you're a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion. Get started for free at memberful.com slash MPU. There's no credit card required. That's memberful.com slash MPU. Go there now and check it out. It could be the start of something exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of the Mac Power users and Relay FM and all of the back-end support they're giving me with the Mac Sparky Labs. Francesco, we talked about this earlier, but in addition to all this productivity tool uh, exploration reviewing that you're doing, you are also part of a uh, an application team, an uh, application called Bento. We've got the link in the show notes. It's a task manager is not the right word. Why don't you describe what Bento is uh, to that to our listeners? Because it is a very different take on a, a very uh, popular corner of the App Store. Yeah. Um- it's it's one of those things that like it sort of came from an idea of of more around focus. Um, so what Bento does is it limits you to just three tasks, and um, much like a Bento box, you have a large, medium, and small task, um, and you can sort of compact it into this area. and And what happens there is um, you can start these sessions or these boxes and sort of work on it. And we found actually. Um, that has been incredibly helpful in a, a few sort of areas. Those who want to sort of hyper-focus on a, a few things for their day and, and doing less and sort of focusing on higher quality things. We've also found it's helpful with ADHD as well. Um, those with ADHD have found that they've been able to sort of really take to this methodology because it's a full methodology. There's more behind it and things like that. And also with children as well, because they've found that trying to get them to do a few things instead of this long list has actually helped. So we found that over the last couple of months, it's really become a much more of a focus app. And we actually recommend that people use it with other task managers as, as a simple system. But one of the things we we did realize is, although it's been quite successful in terms of on the app store and things like that, um, and with the community, one of the things that we found is that we want to build a bigger and better version of it for teams and professionals and expanding that concept further. So now we're in development of another Bento application that will take the concept to the sort of next level um, whilst retaining, uh, we're actually taking on the sort of bigger task management applications as well, which will be quite interesting. Yeah, it seems like such a difference. I mean, because the the bento that's currently shipping is is a delight in its simplicity. You know, trying to take that up a notch is going to be a huge challenge. I bet. Yeah, I think I think we've we've come up with some really interesting concepts. It's like I I don't um, I don't envy the uh, the developer who's going to have to put this together, Carl. Um, but at the same time, 
I think what we're doing there is we're sort of rethinking the entire task management space and trying to make it sort of mindful and delightful again. So I'm quite excited to see what we come out with. I can't share too much because it's so far away, but we're doing a few different things there that connect to, I'm going to say more effective productivity, but also ones that it also links with asynchronous work for teams as well. Um, Because one of the things that um, we found at least is that project management and task management a lot of people don't use them at work, the sort of everyday folks, like they didn't really use these sort of applications. And it's largely because if they're introduced to a project manager at work, they tend to get overwhelmed with people assigning stuff and managing their day for them. So we've tried to, we found like a solution that we think will work and combining it with the Benta methodology and, and 10xing it. <laughs> so it should be fun, uh, what, we're, what we're building at least. It's interesting to me because you you know you, you cover such some of these very complex applications, but Bento is really very simple, but but well done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it, it needed to. I think sometimes some of the the ideas that are, uh, like some of the productivity apps out there try to be the kitchen sink, um, and that's good um, in a lot of ways, but it's also can be something that if you can downtone it and bring it back to its basics, that's why a lot of people find the app um, an assistant to their to-do list app because they can pop it open when they're just trying to really drill down on three things that they want to work on and they want that quality instead of that quantity. And the app actually is a bit more um, mindful of their, their approach to it. So I'm excited for sure. You mentioned the idea of Bento is, is having three tasks and Playing with the app uh, in preparation for this, uh, I think there's some really interesting stuff in here. So you have, you've got uh, templates and you have workflows. And can you explain how those things uh, interact and maybe how they're different from other things on the market? Um, yeah. So it, what we did differently is that it's sort of a three-part process. Um, so what's the most different thing about it is the methodology. Because a lot of apps like like to do is a fantastic application, for example, but you can apply a methodology on top of like get it, getting things done by David Allen, but you don't actually um, start with a foundation with a system of working. So that's the first thing about this app is you actually have a process to use it. Um, so when you create a box, you choose three things, but you what you do is you order them based on. Well, for example, you can start by choosing Eat That Frog, which is a Brian Tracy concept. And from there, you can start with a large one, go to the medium and finish with the small. So you can also embed workflows that like keep your energy levels organized based on how you feel. Um, maybe you want to take the big thing first or the small thing first. And then that sort of breakdown of those, those tasks in large, medium, small people like that because they can like we if you put all large in there it gets a bit too intense uh, for a lot of people so having that breakdown helps people and then finally what we did is one of the things that is is less common in the task management space is actually just pinpointing one app uh, one uh, pinpointing one task and just focusing in on it 
And that's something that is totally underrated. Um, and actually having a sort of focus mode in a, in a productivity app is, is rare um, these days because like in our Todoist view, you can open up the, um, you can open up the window to see all the task, but you can see all these other tasks in the background and there's that natural small but important anxiety that comes from seeing a, a really long list. So we wanted to make people feel um, sort of focused in those periods of time. And what's nice as well is you can bind systems like the Pomodoro timer around it um, and, 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 and things like that that can help you calendar blocking, et cetera. It all sort of intertwines. So it's a, it's a very um, entry-level productivity system, but it's also very helpful. Well, I think it looks just great. I mean, it is beautiful. I love how thoughtful it is about these things and definitely excited to see what y'all do next with it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'll keep you updated for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. So we like to end these times together with our friends with uh, some favorite apps and services that maybe we haven't gotten to touch on yet. I was wondering if you have any for us. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think these are ones that I don't... Um, I don't necessarily use every single day, but I, I want to sort of point out because they're, they're quite handy little apps uh, that sort of uh, just enhance your day. Um, I'd say the first one is Clay. This is a um, sort of like uh, a LinkedIn-y sort of reminder application that, so basically they have a free plan. You connect up, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, and some of the other sort of integrations and what it does is it keeps you updated with ev- what everyone's work what everyone's sort of doing but what's nice is you can set like reminders to keep in contact with people and i think it's a really nice app in particular for those who are are wanting a sort of to keep in touch with people and build relationships and grow them and keep uh, updated without the noise of linkedin so i i like that app i think it's pretty cool next one is everyday habits. I, I think this is again, this is an independent developer, but I really like how they built their habits application. Um, and it's it's very simple and it works great on web. Um, and it's it's really nice. Yeah, I, I do feel like with the habit apps that a lot of them are guilt inspiring and uh <laughs> they need to be a little less intense, you know. So it is good to see some other options on the habit apps. Yeah, it's it's a lot cleaner, this one. It feels more like a web developer, sort of like a keeping track of how many times you've uploaded code. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and finally, like another one, if people were trying to enhance their Pomodoro timer or even just a timer for work, there's one called Session, which is, an, again, another independent developer. And it's absolutely gorgeously built um, application. But what's nice about it is if I think it's in there, free account but when you start a timer it yeah allows you to keep notes on that but in the premium they have this ridiculously high level of analytics of what you were feeling in that time and how you can uh you know what time what sort of notes you made during that session as well um so it's it's really nice focus app so yeah there are sort of three additional productivity apps i wanted to shout out it's interesting you brought up session uh, I've done time tracking seriously now for a year and I'm using Timery for that, which is different than a Pomodoro timer. But uh, what I'm getting to is there have been times where I wish I could make a little note about what happened in a given time period because I don't put the only thing on my calendar is like 
recording and editing. I don't have tasks on my calendar there somewhere else. And uh, so I find that really interesting that you can sort of notate things as you go and uh, keep a log of that. That's that's an interesting combination to me. I'm already downloading it. I, this is <laughs> this looks like a cool one. Because yeah, uh, just like Steven, it's the same thing. Like I do blocks, but sometimes, you know, it's just raw data. And I do feel like uh, this would be something interesting. It also, I would be looking to see if I could hook it into day one. Mm. I think that would be kind of fun to keep that kind of data in day one. But yeah, nice. Nice, nice suggestions. This this is the problem with hanging out with me, guys. You just uh you end up downloading an app <laughs> yeah. by the time it's, you're it's, finished. <laughs> it's the MPU way. Yeah, we asked this question of all listeners and, and you hit us with three bangers, as my kids would say. So <laughs> oh, there no. we go. Yeah. Well, well, Francesco, I really appreciate the hard work you do over on your site with with these reviews and kind of keeping the uh us on the radar of what's going on. Uh, like you, I'm very interested to see how productivity software evolves. That we're definitely in the middle of something right now, and I want to see what happens next. Um, uh, so everybody, go check out Francesco's channel. Uh, uh, the way, I guess, the easiest way to find it is just go on YouTube and search for Francesco D'Alessio or D'Alessio, or just look for Keep Productive. Now, there's two P's there: Keep and Productive. They're right next to each other, so it's Keep Productive on YouTube. Uh, check out Bento, which is a beautiful little task management app. If you feel like your task management apps are throwing too much at you, this may be exactly what you're looking for. So go check it out. Uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, SaneBox, Text Expander, and Memberful. We'll see you next time.